You know, this is probably one of the nicer saw traps we could have been in. Like, it's physically and psychologically unpleasant, but even if our asses get eaten, it's not like we're going to die, probably. Honestly, I'm really glad our captor left us food and water. Like, that was really nice of them. Yeah, true. I do have to ask, though, did they have to store the water in these giant hamster cage bottles? It's really demeaning. I mean, it kind of is, but also, I'm not going to lie... I feel like it's impossible to not wonder what it was like to use one of these. <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> really, the only thing that's driving me fucking bananas is this, like, annoying on and off sound that we've been hearing for, like, the last couple of days. You mean the drumming? Is that what it is? I don't know. This place never stops making any fucking noise. Like, is that a pipe we're hearing or something? It sounds like it's dripping. Yeah, I hear that all the time, too. Oh, my God. I'm surprised this place hasn't fucking flooded yet. Let the game begin. Hello, Zip, and welcome to We See Saw, a Saw rewatch podcast where we see Saw. I'm Claudia. And I'm Nicole. And today we are talking about Saw 3, 2006, directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman once again, and screenplay by Lee Winnell. Just himself this time, Darren Lynn Bozeman not involved. Oh my gosh, Lee. <laughs> Nicole, what did you think of Saw 3? Saw 3. Oh my god, spoilers for our little shtick at the end uh the only movie in which i don't think i can escape a single trap because they weren't really traps i don't know this movie i feel like doesn't fit in with what we've seen so far mm-hmm. but like in a good way yeah i kind of loved this one. Oh my yeah i really liked it because i know we talked about saw 2 like not really fitting in and that was for a very like specific reason how it wasn't written to be part of the Saw franchise. So that sticks out for that reason. And this sticks out because this is far more about the characters than the traps. Yeah, this one is very character driven for the A plot. The traps are the B plot. Mm-hmm. And I remember first seeing this, I remember see, first seeing like, I think the probably first four. Uh, mm-hmm. After that, everything kind of gets hazy. But I remember first seeing this and it just like blew my mind. One of the traps in here, that's not Because I wouldn't say there are even really traps in this. It's maybe like two. And then the other things that happen are all just like tests within a game. Yeah, they're trials. Yeah. Yeah, the character-driven story is something that we're going to see a lot moving forward. Mm -hmm. I would say from Saw 5 onwards, the traps become the B-plot. Oh, interesting. With maybe the exception of Saw 6, if I remember right. I know that Saw 5 is half the Saw soap opera (gasps) and then half traps that have no connection to the rest of the plot. Saw the telenovela. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. That that is what this franchise becomes. And I kind of love it. It starts here. 
I just also want to start off by saying that Shawnee Smith fucking kills it every single time. Brought the heat once again, oh, Shawnee Smith. God, icon, iconic. Love her. Never stops. Did you know she's a singer? Wait, really? Yeah. She does country music, I think. Hang on. Okay, that sounds about right. Because when I heard the name Shawnee Smith, because I didn't recognize it or I didn't know that that was the actress's name until you mentioned it in like the first episode or second episode. Mm -hmm. When you said the name, I'm like, that sounds like a musical artist I may have heard of. And I was like, ah, no, I'm probably thinking of something else. Oh, she's actually on the soundtrack to Saw 3. Wait, really? Yeah. No way. She provided vocals to... Hydra Vibes song, Killer Inside. Now I'm going to have to listen to that. In 2007, she was part of the country rock music group Smith and Pyle. Oh. So yeah, a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. And a whole lot of murder. A whole lot of murder. That I, that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie also sticks out. I mean, because I feel the first one sticks out in my brain for obvious reasons is the first one. It launched this amazing franchise. The second one sticks out not as a whole, but there are individual parts like the needle pit is the biggest one. Mm -hmm. And then this whole movie sticks out to me. But like the individual trials, I think kind of disappeared a little bit in my brain. But I remembered like the overall storyline and so this movie has always stuck out to me and i think because i enjoyed it so much even since day one yeah i'll admit i didn't have the most memory of this movie because the mm -hmm. last time i watched it i was drinking kathy lee gifford's award-winning wine <laughs> gift with two f's uh, oh. <laughs> that you and i both got a bottle for free at our local liquor store oh i remember that fondly <laughs> <laughs> i remember tweeting at you like at nicole <laughs> the wine is so alcoholic it's a trap help <laughs> that, that's the real saw trap yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so saw three the third one saw the third Ooh, to be confused <laughs> with trek the third <laughs> all right so we open with the bathroom from the first and also the second movie where we find Detective Eric Matthews from the second movie <laughs> where he was locked in by Amanda after, you know, getting tricked into going in there for looking for his son. And he was chained up much like they were in the first movie. We see a saw right off the bat. Yep. Two minutes, 31 seconds. Yep. It's the saw from the first movie. And so he is like about to saw his foot and then decides against it because... Even though he's a piece of shit, he has a bit of a brain. And so he breaks his foot with the toilet lid. Literally the thing that you said you would do in the first episode. Yeah, I forgot that that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Yeah. <laughs> so good on you, Eric Matthews. Breaks his foot. And then we kind of just like, kind of like a fade to black, we skip ahead. He just breaks it and it goes to Saw 3. Yeah. No opening kill in this movie. No. Well, he killed his foot muscle, mm. bones, whatever's in there, yeah. <laughs> tendons. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know biology. I just work here. I don't know. Ask Dr. Gordon. He's a doctor. Oh, ring, ring. He hasn't <laughs> been confirmed dead, so. It's true. Could reach him on that, like, cell phone that only receives calls. <laughs> yeah. All right. So fast forward. We see the scene of a grizzly not murder because Jigsaw doesn't murder people. Absolutely not. 
So we see Officer Riggs from the second movie, same guy who allowed Eric to go and beat the shit out of John Kramer because he's an enabler and also ACAB. So his team is on the scene here. And so is Detective Carrie, also from the second movie and Eric's former partner. So we get to see our first trap of the movie. Yeah, so we get Troy in, I, I wrote the weird chain trap. I wrote it, death by Claire's piercings. <laughs> <laughs> what did Troy do again? What did Troy do? Troy's a fictional character from the movie. Indeed he is. He is fictional, I did check. Not based on a true story. Troy was a drug addict. Oh, as usual. Hang on, let me bring up the movie and see if uh, they say anything. Okay, so what the tape says is that even though Troy had all the privileges in the world at birth, he went to prison multiple times. And that is why he is in the trap. Very flimsy reasoning. This one just feels a little weird. I feel like a lot of the reasons are very flimsy. Yeah. So far, the only person who has deserved to be in any kind of trap is fucking Xavier from the last movie because he was actually the devil incarnate. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the point of the series is essentially that John is a hypocrite. Yeah. So Troy has essentially been pierced in multiple places, including like through his jaw and tongue, probably. Ugh. And like his his arms, his like fucking Achilles tendon, which is Ugh. a nightmare, uh, his shoulders. It's, it's a bad time. And so his goal is to rip those out of his body and escape in a minute and 30 seconds. Before a fucking nail bomb goes off. Even if I had the most iron will mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm doing this. I physically do not think that you can do that in a minute and 30 seconds. No, but like, don't we learn that that's kind of the point? Yeah, that is that is the point. Yeah. And as Detective Carrie points out when she gets onto the scene thinking like, oh, God, maybe this might be Eric because he's gone missing for weeks. Six months. Mo six months. Yeah, I think that's what the wiki said. OK, that makes sense. Amanda's hair is long again. I, I was wondering, I was like, how much time has passed? But the wiki does say six months later, the scene of a jigsaw game is discovered. Thank you, Saw Wiki. Thank you, Saw Wiki. Because, I, yeah, I mean, Amanda's hair was very short in the second movie. And then suddenly it's like past shoulder length. Which I don't think that's quite how that works Let's as see. somebody with long hair. My hair grows really fast. I got my hair cut in October. So it's grown like this much. So, yeah. Well, no, no, it hasn't. Yeah, it's been like, what, seven months or something? Six months, yeah, seven months. It's grown like this much, so I don't know. I feel like it would be shoulder length, if anything. Yeah, her hair was too long. Maybe she got an extensions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Detective Carrie shows up on the scene, and she points out that Rig and his team had to, like, weld through the door to get in because it was, like, sealed shut from the outside. So that means even if... Troy had ripped out all of those things out of his body within a minute and 30 seconds. He couldn't have left anyway. So that means there's a different MO from Jigsaw's usual way of doing things because Jigsaw will always give the victims a chance to escape. Except yeah. for the razor wire guy, because I still don't believe that that was like feasible, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think all of them are like, oh, it's possible to escape. 
Amanda really, really got lucky with hers. Yeah. Hers is, was pretty easy compared to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's our first confirmed death of the movie. R.I.P. Troy. R.I.P. Troy didn't get your head in the game fast enough. Aww. Also, there's a really funny line where I believe Carrie says all he had to do was remove the chains and walk out the door. And Rig says all he had to do. Yeah, right? <laughs> like Carrie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of fucking Carrie, guess who's abducted next? <laughs> yeah, rip in peace, Carrie. Literally rip in peace. Yeah. Oh. Tell tell me about this trap. No. Oh, bro, this one's fucking brutal. So she is like in a harness that's attached to her ribs. And in front of her is like a vat of acid with a key in it. So she has to reach into the vat burn her skin off to grab the key before the acid erodes the key so much that it's not usable anymore or else her ribs are going to be fucking ripped out this is probably the most brutal trap i didn't actually remember this one but the second i saw her strapped up i was like oh now i remember (laughs) this one this one was rough it was repressed (laughs) It's terrifying. So literally rip, Carrie. I just had a fear rib cage ripped out. Skull emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about this trap for a moment, too, because this is also plot important. Mm -hmm. Carrie actually gets the lock off. She manages to get the key. She burns the shit out of her hand. She gets in the lock. She gets lock off. And she still can't escape because she was never meant to escape. Wild. Much like the other guy. And somebody comes fucking creeping out of the darkness right before she gets fucking flayed. And it's Amanda. She's here and she's got way more of a front row seat than John usually did. Oh, she's right there. Well, I mean, John had a pretty front row seat during the first movie. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) He was also like kind of like out, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. She really wanted to watch this bitch die. (laughs) This was personal for her. Yeah. I don't even know what Carrie did to her personally. I think it's just because Carrie has been leading the Jigsaw investigation for a while, because even in the second movie, she was like the Jigsaw gal. First movie, too. Oh, she wasn't. She. Oh, okay. I don't remember her in the first movie. I just remember her in the second movie. And it's like, oh, Carrie, like you're the Jigsaw expert. And so it wasn't necessarily that she did anything that she that she needed like redemption for or needed to prove that she wanted to live. It was more so like, you're in my way. <laughs> yeah, Amanda is very, um, very efficient. I wouldn't say efficient. That seems like a very convoluted <laughs> way to you know, go about that doing is things. true. She could have just bought a gun. <laughs> 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 but she has flair at least. Mm-hmm. But God, this is like so fucking rough. I just, mm, just seeing her ribs get yanked out of her body gets me every time. I'm like, oh God, no. It's so cool. <laughs> it really is though. But also like, whoa, scary, sickening. Yeah. Then we check in with our new main character for this movie. Dr. Lynn Denlin. Lynn Denlin is a surgeon She's some kind of general surgeon, I think, because she was like called into a car accident victim mm-hmm. and she knows like some oncological stuff. So it might be she's just like the person you call for risky surgery. I thought maybe like a neurosurgeon or something since she was doing all that brain shit. And John has like a tumor in his noggin. Yeah, but it doesn't fit with her being called to that car accident 
scene with the kid and they're going to do like a major surgery on him that seems mm-hmm. pretty risky or they like break open his ribs or something jesus and lynn is like no you're not doing that i'm just i'm putting this stint in i don't i don't remember what they do i'm not i'm not a doctor yeah and the kid is like immediately fine she puts a little little vapor rub on it yeah put some <laughs> put some vapor rub <laughs> It fixes everything. Trust me. <laughs> Detective Carey just just put some put some vapor rub on it. Listen, listen, I literally will like die on the hill that Vicks products are the best, not just vapor rub. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But <laughs> sponsor us. <laughs> I will sing your praises, Vicks. It would be an exceedingly weird sponsor for this show. <laughs> John Kramer, you have cancer. Just put some vapor rub on it. It's fine. <laughs> it's like, has he tried that? I don't Probably think he has. Not. No one was around to educate him, you know? <sighs> some people. <laughs> it's going to prevent this whole thing. It's true. Anyway. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Denlin. She has like no passion for anything anymore. She gets out of bed with this one guy and he's like, Lynn. And she's like, what do you want from me? And he's like, a divorce. And she just kind of like rolls her eyes and leaves. <laughs> Which, you know, girl boss. <laughs> Honestly, Lynn is kind of a girl boss. I love Lynn. Lynn rules. I didn't realize that Lynn was so cool. Oh my god. Yeah, no, she as a character stood out to me since day one also. She's just such a badass. She is. And also, I feel so bad for her. <laughs> yeah. So then Lynn gets kidnapped damn get her ass i suppose (laughs) get her depressed ass so lynn wakes up strapped to a wheelchair amanda comes in does a dramatic reveal of her like taking off her hood she (laughs) has like a proper hoodie instead of john's like full ass robe i thought it was a really cool take on the robe I thought so too, but it's also like, girl, step up your game. (laughs) Yeah. It's not as dramatic as the as the cloak. Yeah. We see now John Kramer in a hospital bed. Mans is hooked up to all these wires and machines and stuff. He's not looking hot. And so Amanda puts a collar around Lynn's neck, a collar armed with five shotgun shells, and it's attached to John's heart rate monitor. So if John flatlines or if she walks, I think, like 30 feet outside the door, it will detonate and blow up her fucking head. Wild. I'm not sure that that would work physically, because isn't what fires a gun the pressure that's built up in the barrel? I do not know. But I wonder if it's just like the shotgun shells have some kind of like powder in them, like capsules that will blow up instead of like kind of a projectile, you know? Okay, that makes sense. Either way, that collar was hefty too. Oof. Yeah, it seems like a... a Huge weight on her shoulders, literally and metaphorically. (laughs) Her game, her test here, is to keep John alive until another test subject has completed his game. Which is a lot of fucking pressure, you know, considering her life is on the line, her, her head is on the line. And also, because they're not exactly equipped to help this dying man. And Amanda refuses to, I don't know, break into a hospital again to get anything proper. Yeah. And Lynn is repeatedly like, you should take John to a hospital. Mm -hmm. Like, I know, I know he's Jigsaw, 
you gotta take him to a hospital. Yeah. If you want him to live. Literally, for medical supplies, they have a single roll of duct tape, WD-40, <laughs> and a Costco screwdriver from the first movie. I don't know. <laughs> like a- <laughs> the drill's finally coming in handy. Oh my god, she actually does use a drill. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that. The Costco drill. <laughs> uh, finally. It's re- real bare bones. Can we go through the B-plot in one fell swoop here? Yeah, because it does hop around back and forth. Unfortunately, yeah. it's like there are only like two plot lines here, which is really yeah. nice because it's easier to follow. Yeah, it's two plots that are basically separate until they converge at the very end. Yeah, everything's happening at the same time. Yeah. So they do bounce back and forth, but we'll just go through the B plot altogether. Especially because the B plot is just all traps. Yes. So especially because we're going to have a segment later where we talk about each trap. Let's just go through what the plot is. Yes. We meet the person on trial in this series of jigsaw traps. Most people just get one. He gets several. Jeff wakes up in a box. He is told that he has basically become a shell of a man ever since his son was killed in a car accident. He has like dreamed of taking murderous revenge on everyone who was involved in the death of his son. And that is all he can think about. He's neglected his wife. He has neglected his daughter. All he does is basically drink and point an empty gun and talk to himself like all day and night, I guess. That scene with him like talking to the mirror, waving a gun around. What did he say? He's just like, I'm your fucking teacher or something like that. And I was (laughs) like, what are you saying? (laughs) You had years to practice this, Jeff. And like, listen, I know he's going through a lot. and I know he has these like murderous thoughts, but. His son died. Mans is grieving. He needs professional help. He doesn't need to be locked in a fucking death puzzle. Yeah, it's been like three years, too. I really think Jeff should have gone to therapy. I I think his wife should have put him in therapy at this point, whether he likes it or not. Yeah, because like that man clearly is struggling. And I mean, like he has a very valid reason to be struggling. Yeah, his son died in an incredibly traumatic way. Yeah, but also he's like, it seems like he's he can be a danger to others because he has like a gun yeah. and also murderous intent. Yeah. Do you think his wife knows that he has a gun? I don't know. Because he does hide it from his daughter, at least. I know, but I feel like that's just, you know, safe gun ownership. Yeah. If she doesn't know, though, I mean, like, it's got to be kind of obvious that he's kind of losing his shit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So Jeff on the tape is told that he has to get through a series of trials that at the end, he will be able to have a confrontation with the man who killed his son. What he has always wanted, Jigsaw, is making his dream come true. Bless his heart. What a good guy. Yeah. (laughs) So our first trial, we have Denica Scott. Uh, Also, we have Denica Scott boobies oh yeah we get full frontal full frontal nudity (laughs) i think the only time we get in this entire franchise wow and it is honestly the most unsexy thing which i applauded yeah they're in a meat or an abandoned meat packing plant Mm -hmm. so they're in this giant freezer and she is chained up absolutely naked and it's well, it's a freezer, so it's very cold. And also there are little like sprinklers spritzing her, which is 
uh, you know, making her freeze even faster. Yeah, once Jeff walks in, Jigsaw starts up the water spray. Little, little, little spritz. Moisturize me. <laughs> All Jeff has to do is, like, reach through some bars and get a key and choose to unlock her. And he just kind of stands there and waits for a while. And she's like, you gotta get me out. Like, I didn't do anything. And Jeff's like, you're right. You didn't do anything. That's the problem because she was a witness to his son's murder. The only witness. The only witness. And she drove off. Um, I'm not sure how Jigsaw got her. Uh, she refused to testify in court. So it might have been that there's record of her. Okay. Like witnessing something, but she just didn't testify. Bitch didn't get a subpoena. Whatever. Anyway. I don't know how the law works. I just work here. <laughs> Much to my parents' dismay, I am not a doctor, nor am I a lawyer, so I don't know how any of this shit works. <laughs> uh, so Jeff eventually is like, ah, fine. He reaches in and his face presses against the cold bars and he ends up ripping some of his skin off. Which, like, sir, have you never seen those funny little videos of people getting their tongues stuck on metal poles because it's yeah. cold out? You know, you gotta be careful. You can't just raw dog your skin against the bars. My man has never seen A Christmas Story 1983, and I triple dog dare him to use any other method to get this key. So he gets the key, and he arrives back at the lady too late. She's already dead. Yep. And the lock is frozen solid. Yeah. Whew. I feel like there are worse ways to go in the saw Sawverse, but I would hate that the most. This is this is unpleasant. Oh no, I know which one I would hate the most, and it's coming up. Oh yeah. Ugh. So then we get to the second trial. The second trial, we have the judge in the case of Jeff's son's murder, who sentenced the perpetrator to six months in prison. And then we learn that he got off early for good behavior. Yeah. So the judge is, like, chained down by the neck. Yes. At the bottom of this, like, big vat. And Jeff walks in, and a machine starts up that starts carrying in rotten pigs on oh. hooks. And they drop the pigs into a grinder, and the pig juices flood into the vat where the judge is. So, at some point, he's gonna drown in rotten pig. I called it the chum bucket. Ooh. This I remembered vividly because yeah. it is like the most disgusting thing. I mean, you see maggots crawling all over these pig carcasses and then for them to be like blended and then thrown. Oh, God, it's just so yeah. gross. I cannot watch it without wanting to gag. Yeah, I feel like listeners who maybe haven't seen the movies don't know like there's a difference here. Like, this trap is disgusting in a way that, like, somebody cutting off their own foot or whatever isn't disgusting. This this is just, like, nauseating. This is, like, like, like putrid. It is just yeah. gross. He has a back and forth with the judge for a little while, and the judge is like, we can talk about the sentence. Like, we, we can discuss it. And Jeff's like, he's already out. You missed it. Too late. But Jeff actually does 
do the task and free the judge. The task is the saddest thing, where Jigsaw has Jeff's son's stuffed animals and a bunch of photos of him and stuff, like, in this box that also has a key in it. If Jeff wants to get the key, he has to press a button to incinerate everything in that box. And this is an issue for Jeff because Jeff doesn't even want to touch anything in his son's room. He chastises his daughter earlier in the film for taking one of her brother's stuffed animals because she wanted something to sleep with. And she clearly has some kind of emotional issues about her brother. Who who could imagine? Uh, just uh, Jeff, I understand he's in mourning, but it's uh, he's very selfish at the same time. It's like yeah. you don't think your wife and daughter are also in mourning and she's a child. Yeah, I think he feels that because he was there mm. that he has like the most trauma. He's entitled to being the saddest. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like uh, your daughter's. Like, she's a young girl. She hasn't had time to learn how to develop healthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> and she ain't learning it at home. <laughs> That's for sure. Now, we don't know how his wife is handling all of this, but I mean... Better than him, I have to assume. Uh, yeah. Jeff incinerates all of his son's things and gets the key and frees the judge, like, right before he would go under, basically. And we're going to move on from this trap. The judge comes with him. Also, fun piece trivia here. A couple pieces of fun trivia. The pig carcasses were made out of foam, rubber, and latex. Oh, thank God. But the pig props were filled with real live disinfected maggots. What the fuck? Tobin Bell said that out of all the traps in the series, this one was his favorite. Tobin, why? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so disgusting and so gross and just fucked up nasty. Although it appears otherwise, only four prosthetic pigs were used in the pig vat. Seems like a hell of a lot more. I guess maybe they just kind of like cycled it over yeah. and over again and then had like two shots of them being ground up. Oh, they did a very good job because it definitely seemed like there were a million pigs ground up. Yeah. Just ugh, nasty. So then we get to the third trial, the final trial, where Jeff comes face to face with the man who manslaughtered his son. Boy slaughtered his son. Before the final trial, the judge says to Jeff, I'm going to tell you, I know that he got a light sentence, but he could have gotten 20 years, 50 years, 1,000 years, even the death penalty. It wouldn't make you feel better. Yeah, it still won't bring his son back. Exactly, which is a great point. So we get to the final trial, where Timothy Young is tied to the rack. Timothy Young was a medical student. He's like 28 now, so he's probably like 25 when this happened. And John says that Timothy's life ended the same day that Jeff's sons did. And they show like flashback pictures of him just like sobbing on the side of the road. It was an accident. Yeah, and it wasn't a hit and run. If it was a hit and yeah. run, it's like, okay, this guy's a bastard. No, he stayed. He faced the consequences. And obviously he was remorseful. He was devastated. I feel bad for him. <laughs> like, yeah. It's fucked up. It's an honest mistake. I mean, you know, as terrible as I mean, you know, not to make a light of Jeff's loss and everything, but it was an honest mistake. Yeah. It was an accident. The child drove his tricycle or bicycle in front of a moving vehicle without looking, I think is what happened. Yeah, basically. It's just one of those freak things. I felt so bad for him. It's hard not to. Mm -hmm. So the rack, 
The rack twists all of his limbs 360 degrees, one at a time. Ugh. And also his neck at the end, just for good measure, I guess. For, for funsies. For fun. Jeff's trial is to forgive the man who killed his son and to take a bullet for him. Oof. <laughs> because the key is tied to the trigger of a shotgun in a box that is like pointed at the person getting the key. And Jeff really maneuvers here, but somehow it still goes off, even though I don't really know how. Uh, so he finds out that just like pulling on it won't set the trigger off. I think it's like if you release it, it sets the trigger off. So it gives you enough time oh. to like move out of the way. And he does move out of the way, but the judge happens to be passing by at that same moment and, <laughs> and fucking shoots him. <laughs> and he dies. Yep, it rips off like half his face. And by the time he gets the key, it's already too late and the machine breaks Timothy's neck. So he has not saved any of these people. <laughs> Zero. He also like starts sobbing and he's like, I forgive you. Which like, Timothy is the only person that Jeff has said that about. Like, he clearly did not forgive the judge. He didn't forgive the bystander. Mm -hmm. But in the end he did actually manage to forgive the actual perpetrator in some way. I think it's also because, like, he's the only one who was truly remorseful. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Everyone else made an excuse. Yeah, and, the, and everyone else also was only apologizing because they were stuck in these situations, whereas Timothy could have done a hit and run. He could have ran, mm -hmm. but he stayed and he faced his consequences. And, you know, we've seen the flashback where he was like sobbing. So he's the only one who was truly deserving of forgiveness. Yep. But yet. Here we are. <laughs> a year ago. I watched this video from Cracked.com's YouTube channel where one of their staff members watched every Saw movie at the time and summarized them. And I, I will admit to stealing one or two of his jokes over the course of this podcast. Ooh. But I would like to absolutely credit him for this one where he says, maybe Jeff's son would have been fine, but Jeff is just slow as shit and he died because, <laughs> because Jeff wasn't fast enough to save him. <laughs> Maybe. Mans is so indecisive. I mean, <laughs> I get that he's working through his grief and everything, but like, really, dude? I mean, you, you got your Inigo Montoya bit here and you don't even, you, at least Inigo Montoya knew what he wanted and what he was going to say. Yeah. Jeff just fumbles at every opportunity. Jeff sucks. <laughs> he sucks so bad. <laughs> he's the worst. So that's the B plot. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to the A-plot, Nicole. Yes. All right. So back to Lynn. So a couple things happen here with the first like major thing to happen, I think being the brain surgery, right? Or no, he has like he has like a seizure or something. Yeah, he has a seizure that he has to kind of just work through because uh, there's no medicine. Yeah. Lynn's asking for Ativan and Amanda's like, we don't have anything. It's like, yeah, this is what Lynn's been telling you is to you need to take him to a fucking hospital because you're not equipped to take care of a dying man in this old meat factory. What do you expect? And then I guess she determines that he has some pressure in his skull. And in order to relieve that pressure, she has to carve out a piece of his skull. Which is a real procedure, I believe. Just, ugh. but of course, you know, they are not in a hospital. So they have to MacGyver all these tools in order to be able to perform brain surgery. 
<laughs> just a little brain surgery in the afternoon. <laughs> Casual brain surgery. So this scene, the scene of the brain surgery, I like can't really watch because she's using this Costco brand drill to drill you know, holes into his skull in order to make it easier to like carve out a piece of it. Yeah. It's just very hard to watch. Yep. At 107.44, it's where Nicole taps out. I thought this scene was really fucking cool, to be oh, honest. 100%. I loved it. it just like gives me the ick. I mean, not nearly as much as the pig vat. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the one that gets me. This is just kind of hard to watch because I'm like, oh, my head. Yeah. But this scene also is very prominent in my memories because it is really fucking cool how Lynn, the badass that she is, is able to figure out a way to perform actual brain surgery on somebody with very, very, very limited resources. Yeah. And she has a fucking shotgun collar on her neck and she like, she fucking centers herself and manages to do the surgery like basically no problem. It's astonishing. Mm -hmm. And in the lead up to this, Amanda was like, what do you need for this surgery? And Lynn was like, anesthetic, but like, you don't have what you really need. And Amanda's like, anesthetic, got it. <laughs> You're doing <laughs> it here anyway. Yeah, it's like, all right, cool. So yeah, a local anesthetic, because John actually has to be awake for this brain surgery, which is also somewhat common for brain surgery. Just wild. Yeah, I know that they have like patients who are like musicians. They'll have the patient like play their instrument like throughout the surgery just to like make sure that they still can, that they haven't fucked anything up. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. If I get brain surgery, just like we'll, we'll do a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think of the brain surgery, Nicole? <laughs> oh my god! Well, I'll give it a five for for Steamy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give uh, it a five for Mimi. It was uh, it was pretty funny watching your head get cut open. Uh, zero for Dreamy because my doctor has zero bedside manner. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Doctor Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! With special guest, my my brain surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> live and in person also i want to point out that there is a moment where i'm sure that this was purposeful in the editing room but i saw it where they put a shot in out of order where the brain area is still like pulsing with blood Blech. after the moment where lynn has like washed out with alcohol ah it like briefly cuts to that where it's still full of blood and then it goes back to the other shot where it's clean ah and mm. I just, I noticed that I was like, huh, it must have just worked narratively better in that order. Yeah. But it was just interesting because the continuity doesn't work. Huh. I yeah. didn't even notice that. Also, John, still a guy with sense of humor, even in brain surgery. Because <laughs> Lynn's like, how are you doing, John? And <laughs> John's like, never better. <laughs> <laughs> John. Uh, jokester. Also, a couple of tiny things that happen after the brain surgery. John starts having these kind of flashbacks and we see a woman and it's, you know, somebody he seems to be romantically involved with. And I guess he's kind of hallucinating or something. And he ends up saying, I love you. And it looks like he's talking to Lynn and that sets Amanda off. Oh, she is not happy about that. Yeah, she's like, she wants to be the only woman in John's life. Yeah. And it's like, why does she get an I love you? Like me, his surrogate daughter, I guess. 
and protege. Yeah, his protege, his slave, his intern. <laughs> intern! Uh, his unpaid intern. <laughs> She's being paid in experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> also, we have a scene where Amanda, like, ritualistically cuts herself. Yeah. Which was really freaky to watch. Mm-hmm. Apparently something she does often. Oh, yeah. Judging by her scars, with, like, a huge knife, too. Oh, yeah! And she goes for her thighs, too, and, you know, I assume that's to hide it from John. I guess so. Yeah. Actually, can we talk about that for a little bit? Because I yeah, let's was, like, I don't know if I was able to fully understand why she did that. Because while she's doing that, John's telling Lynn about how Amanda's biggest weakness, I guess, is how emotional she is. <laughs> Women, am I right? Yeah, fucking bitches, right? B- bitches be <laughs> crazy. And so it's like, why does she do that? What, what, like, I don't know. What's tormenting her? I don't know if I ever was able to understand like the psychology of that whole thing. I think Amanda has become a really complex person. Yes. And a really fucked up person. Yes. Because in this moment, we learn that Amanda at this point just seems to like watching people die. Yes. Like, she personally kills Adam with a fucking plastic bag over his head, which, oof. Oof. I would rather be shot. Just gonna say it. Oh, 100%. And I know Adam confirmed dead in the last movie, but hella confirmed dead now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Also, was it just me or was Adam wearing pink underwear? Oh, I don't know if I noticed that. Because there's also a flashback where they're setting up the trap from the first movie. Mm -hmm. And I I swear he has pink underwear on, which honestly, it's a look. Something I found really funny about that scene where they're setting up for the first movie is that Amanda's wheeling Adam over on one of those like little like scooters from gym class in elementary school or whatever. Mm -hmm. And... She does that until she reaches the bathroom and then she like knocks him off of it and then drags his body to the corner. It's like, yeah, girl, why, why don't you just scooter? <laughs> why don't you use the scooter? <laughs> so that was kind of funny to me. And also the fact that I love how often they can just go back to the first movie because Lee Wanell is just like creator slash writer slash producer. So he's just always there. So it's like, oh, if we want to do something in the past, like you're right here. So get on in there, pal. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, we don't, we don't even need to hire Carrie Yules again. We just need Adam. <laughs> yeah, he's right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, fun little trivia bit here that I absolutely loved is that the producers of this film asked the producers of Scary Movie 4, also released in 2006, if they could use the bathroom set for this film because it was an exact replica of the one created for Saw and Saw 2. So they were given permission to use it. It's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> hey, scary movie producers, can I use your bathroom? For, for real though. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much money that saved them. <laughs> Probably a lot. Yeah. It's very funny to me. I love that that worked out for them. Like, okay, yeah. kudos, scary movie. <laughs> yeah. Keeping it alive. John also goes on a weird rant about marriage at one point to Lynn. I don't even fully remember. Yeah. <laughs> But but I just remember being like, what is the point of this? Oh, he's a dying old man. Let him talk. <laughs> okay, Grandpa. <laughs> old man yells at Cloud. Yeah. And also, as per usual, John says some bullshit where he's like, I despise murderers. Like, yeah, yeah. We All know, right. Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> back in my day. <laughs> back in my day, if you put a gun to someone's head and made them pull the trigger, it wasn't murder. Okay, Grandpa. So, I, I guess we're basically at the climax then. Yes, okay. So, Amanda's jealousy caught, like reaches a boiling point. She whips out a gun and is like <laughs> just waving it around, threatening to shoot Lynn, and John is like actually pleading for her to not do anything stupid. Yeah, he says like Lynn did her part. You have to let her go now. That's the rules. She won her game. She gets to go home. You got to go home. It's honestly just, I mean, I know they're the bad guys, but it's actually kind of heartbreaking, like how much he wants Amanda to do the right thing. Yeah. And how broken Amanda is at this point, because like she calls John basically a murderer Mm -hmm. and she says that his whole philosophy is bullshit and that nobody actually changes. Yeah, and she's asking him, like, why can't you fix me and stuff like that. And it's really sad. And so she also admits to rigging the traps from before, admits to rigging Troy's and Carrie's traps. And then we also get a flashback and we see Eric Matthews, who escaped the bathroom, and he's like crying out in pain or something. And we see Amanda in the hallway, hear him and turn around. They get into this huge fight. And eventually, Amanda ends up killing him. So she's an actual, I mean, you know, can (laughs) debate whether or not like what John's doing is actual murder. But she straight up with her hands kills this man. And Adam, too. And Adam, too. So we know that. So she's a murderer. John also drops a little bomb on Amanda where he's like, oh, by the way, you didn't actually kill Eric. You just left him for dead. I had to take care of that. Oh, shit. Also, Eric, as uh, Amanda is walking away at one point, he's like, you're not Jigsaw, bitch. <laughs> you, you'll never be Jigsaw. Had to get her one last time. Amanda gets pissed oh, at she that. she gets heated. <laughs> it's just so funny. And so Amanda refuses to listen to John and ends up shooting Lynn in like the mm-hmm. stomach. So fatal gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. Just as she does that, Jeff walks in, and so Lynn, like, falls into his arms, and John reveals that Lynn's test wasn't really Lynn's test. It was Amanda's. Yeah. He had been saying that Lynn holds Amanda's fate in her hand, stuff like that, really cryptic shit. That is because Jeff is Lynn's husband, and Jeff has a gun with a single bullet in the chamber. Yeah, so Jeff, without even processing it, Shoots Amanda back. In the neck. In the neck, yeah. Also, I'm, just, I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> and I, I have a little typo here. Uh, instead of Amanda shot in the neck, it says Amanda shit in the neck. So, <laughs> R.I.P. Amanda. Shit. <laughs> Somebody shit down her neck. <laughs> and so as she's dying, John tells her that he didn't want a murderer to continue his legacy. <laughs> no, John. Rough. So Amanda dies, R.I.P. Skull emoji. Jeff is holding the dying Lynn in his arms and John tells him, I can have an ambulance here in four minutes. All I need you to do is forgive me for putting you through this, for getting your wife kidnapped and shot, you know, (laughs) but you just have to be able to forgive me. 
John says, you know, behind you, there's a whole table of things you can use to kill me. So we see like hammers and scalpels and shit. Yep. Also, we see <gasps> at one, an hour and 46 minutes and five seconds, we see a circular saw blade. Yay, another saw. This movie is very saw heavy. Love it. Love that for us. Jeff actually goes up to John and he says, I forgive you, which is, you know, really big of him because his this whole time it's like, you know, you have to grieve your son's death, but get over your murderous thoughts only for Jeff to turn around and grab the fucking circular saw and slash John across the <laughs> neck. Yep. It's actually a different saw for the record. So an hour oh, and 47 minutes and eight seconds, a completely different saw kills uh, John. So as John is bleeding out from the neck, he, of course, has a little little tape recorder <laughs> in his hands. He's so dramatic. I love him. Uh, and we hear another tape. So, you know, Hello Zep starts playing. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> Hello, Jeff. <laughs> and John on the tape is literally like, I recorded this as a bit of insurance. And if you're hearing this, it's time to collect. Yeah. <laughs> He's so dramatic. I love him. He tells him on the tape that he is the only one who knows the location of his daughter because his daughter's been kidnapped. And also what he didn't tell Jeff is that John and Lynn's fates are tied. So when John flatlines, that's it for Lynn, too. Oh, boy, was that it for Lynn. <laughs> yeah. And so he says, you know, I was the only one who knew the location of your daughter. And now that I'm gone, you have to play another game. Yeah. Jeff really goes through it. Uh, and then the movie ends. Yep, that's the movie. Holy shit. What a film. This was, it was great. I, I really enjoyed this. Yes. I know that this, this is, you know, the second sequel we've watched, but this is the far superior of the sequels oh, so far. Oh, absolutely, yeah. This gets up there with Saw 1 so far. It's oh, not, yeah. it doesn't really hold a candle to it because... Saw 1 is kind of its own beast where it's like a psychological thriller for most mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. But man, this this is really good. I feel like, you know, obviously the second one is like, oh, hey, we're here. We're, you know, we're still doing this thing. But it feels like this really kicks off the franchise. Exactly. Yeah. It almost feels like Saw 2 is like a midquel. Mm-hmm. Because it was mid <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it's a short story that like bridges saw one to saw three yeah because like what matters in saw two eric is trapped down there and amanda is working for jigsaw yeah that's it and i guess we see that you know well because we knew that john was super sick but i guess we see him super sick in the second one yeah uh, so really it, it's all set up for the third movie yeah you know it's cool <laughs> yeah no, this is great. Uh, you got any fun facts, Nicole? Oh, so there's one scene where Amanda grabs Lynn by the throat and threatens her. That was not in the script. And so when Lynn says, you fucking freak, it was, you know, it was also improvised. <laughs> Lynn added that in after Amanda unexpectedly threw her against the wall. So, woof. It, is it wrong? Is it wrong of me to say hot? No, <laughs> I mean, I guess, but like, they're both very hot. They are uh, really attractive people. Oh, oh, yeah. Sounds kind of hot. But also, I love I love the improvisation because it worked. It worked it really does. well. Yeah. Also, apparently, Lynn's actress was in Crash 2004, the Oscar winner that year. 
Oh. Apparently, because of her performance in that movie, Lionsgate was like, oh, we gotta get her in a Saw film. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Real, honestly. Also, let me not just call her Lynn's actress because her name is Bahar Sumech. Great job, Bahar. Wonderful job with Lynn. Oh, I loved her. She was, uh, Lynn was a great character played by a great actress. Also, apparently Bahar had nightmares the first month she was on set because she's not a horror person. <laughs> so unfortunate. Oh, a little little goof here is that after Jeff and the judge get out of the vat of pig chum, uh, they are dry for the rest of the film. Oh, yeah. And clean. (laughs) I don't know if I noticed that. Maybe John had them walk through like an industrial dryer. Yeah. (laughs) Like a little (laughs) car wash. You just like walk through it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, also, we do get the first appearance of Mark in this. He is very briefly on one of the crime scenes. He is a detective who is going to start showing up a lot in these movies after this point. Ah, okay. So... Keep an eye out for Mark Hoffman. Mark Hoffman. Got it. Uh, He's really easy to spot. He's the white guy with the growly voice. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for fun facts. Let's rank the traps, Nicole. First, let's do the two unwinnable traps. Piercings at Claire's. Terrifying. Awful. I do not want to do this. (laughs) No, no, thank you. (laughs) It's interesting, I guess. I also feel like it kind of has a lot going on, too. Not only does he have to rip it off, but he's also, like, on a bomb timer. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Like, like far too much. Yeah. Amanda's games are meant to be unwinnable, but they're also, like, complex. And I think Amanda wants them to think that they can win. Oh, yeah, 100%. Which is also extra fucked up. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's just the extra, you know, like torture element, because rather if they knew it was unwinnable, they probably wouldn't go through all the effort of trying to get out and like ripping rings out of parts of their body and like that extra torture, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I guess the rib trap was called angel wings. That makes sense, because when they pull her ribs apart, it does kind of make angel wings for her. Yeah, but also terrifying. That is out of the unwinnable traps. That one's my favorite. It's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. It's terrifying. It's gruesome and horrible. But damn it, if it ain't cool. <laughs> it would have worked as a winnable trap, too. Yeah, I mean, like, that's essentially, you know, like the reverse bear trap or the actual bear trap, the the, yeah. the chokey for the head. You know, it's one of those. It's at the same vein, you know? Yeah. One thing is that she only has a minute to do it, which is like an Amanda staple. Like, mm-hmm. not only not only is it impossible, you have an impossibly short amount of time to do it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Lynn does it and there is no reward. Oh, <laughs> the not reward Lynn. is she gets a cool lock uh, Carrie <laughs> before does it. she gets her fucking ribs ripped open. <laughs> uh, Carrie does it. Carrie, fuck. What, who did I say, Amanda? <laughs> Lynn. Lynn. Uh, there are too many people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next trap, the shotgun collar. Shotgun collar, pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It's simple, but effective. I also love how apparently great at engineering everyone is. Yeah. Because being able to hook it up to John's heart rate monitor, very impressive. Is that done by Bluetooth? Because I don't see any wires attached yeah, to anything. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So very impressive. Really like that one. Simple, effective. Good job. Yep. Folded, tempered, it does its job. Okay, so the next trap. Mm -hmm. Do we say this is all one trap, all of like Jeff's things? Because I guess the individual things in it, I don't know if I would really call them like traps like the other ones in the movie. These people aren't meant to escape on their own. I think we should call Mm -hmm. them. Like individually? Yeah, individually. Mm -hmm. Because they're each so unique as well. Yeah. And there is like a different mild trial for Jeff each time as well. Mm -hmm. I just think, you know, it's like, and this kind of ties in with, I think, my biggest critic, not my criticism, but I think just like the one thing in the movie that it was like, oh, like this is different is the fact that there's a lot of collateral damage in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of collateral damage. And that's why it's like, I, I, like a lot of these, these people didn't get a fair shot, <laughs> really. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Their, their life is in Jeff's hands. It's mm-hmm. not fair for them. Yeah. Because it wasn't fair for Jeff's son, I guess. It's, uh, that's really the only thing that bothered me about this movie is that there was so much collateral damage. And it's just like, come on, like you're not testing these people. You're testing, you know, Jeff and... Like, Lynn, also collateral damage, ends up dying. You know, yeah. Like, all these people end up dying, and that sucks because they didn't necessarily do anything wrong. Yeah, and these ones aren't even Amanda. These ones are actually John. Yeah. Anyway, that my little, like, detour. But yeah, that's why it's like, these are individual and they are pretty cool. But it's like, they don't really, they don't fit in exactly with the other ones. So I just yeah. wanted to, you know, with that little stipulation, make my rankings and stuff. 100%. So let's talk about these three real quick. Yes. The freezer. Ugh, painful, horrible way to go. Yep, awful. So simple, yet so effective. Yeah, truly simple. Like, literally just, like, put her in a freezer naked and spray some water on her. Yeah, and that's all it took? Yeah. Horrible. Nipples so rock hard, she can cut glass with them. Goddamn. (laughs) But she can't cut through her locks. Aw, need sharper nipples. (laughs) Oh, the chum bucket. <laughs> yeah, the chum bucket. Uh, terrifying, horrifying. horrible. Scarred me for life. Disgusting. Hate it. I hate, thanks, I hate it. Jeff's part of it is very sad. Yes. Also, this is the peak of our pig motif in the movie. Did you notice all the pigs, Nicole? Not just in the trap, but in the film? Oh, I did. Act- yeah, because I remember seeing like, um, I don't know if I'm confusing with the, with the last one, because I know I see, we see like the pig mask and stuff. Yep. Yeah. That's Amanda's whole thing, the pig mask, but I guess pigs in general, because we only see the pig mask once, but Mm -hmm. we see pigs throughout the movie. Yeah. In Lynn's locker, when she opens it up at the hospital, there's like a crayon drawing of a pig on the inside. Oh. The stuffed animal that Jeff takes back from his daughter to put back in his son's room is a pig. I feel like there was more, but there is a pig motif in the movie. And I kind of get it like slaughter and stuff mm-hmm. and like i don't know pearls before swine maybe who know. knows but it's creepy though yeah yeah so that's the climax of our pig motif i guess all right next we have the bop it twist it pull it <laughs> also terrifying yeah the rack really rough Ugh. they didn't have to go so hard at the end with just breaking his neck as well Yeah, that was real fucked up. I think it was just like to guarantee death, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like you didn't have to do that. 
<laughs> now, should we include the key hooked up to the shotgun as part of that whole thing or as a separate thing? I think as part of that whole thing, because okay. the key hooked up to the cold bars is part of the other one. Mm hmm. And incinerating the toys is part of the other one as well. Okay. Because each of them has like a mini game for Jeff to do. That's what I was just about to say. I'm like, maybe we shouldn't include it with like wet freezer, chum bucket, bop it. We should just say like all of those are Jeff's game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can we can do that then. Okay. So let's talk about Jeff's game then. So having to free the woman who didn't do anything, having to incinerate his dead son's belongings and free the judge who gave the driver a lenient sentence and having to forgive and take a bullet for his son's killer and also forgive the man who put him in this trap and got his wife killed or shot. That's a lot. It's a lot. Also, largely pretty easy. I'm built different. I don't think I would have this sense of revenge that he does. Yeah, I don't know, man. I hold a grudge for a long time. Yeah. But I don't think I I could hold like a murder grudge for that long. Yeah. I would maybe uh, take a minute to, to oh, oh, oh no, the key is so cold. Uh, oh, fumbling it. But <laughs> I would still like try. Yeah. The judge actually says at one point, don't be like him. Don't be a killer. Yeah. He also says that Jeff would be an accessory to murder if he did nothing. I don't think that would hold up in court. Yeah, because it's not like it's just a quick little, oh, okay, like, let me stop what I'm doing. It's more like this guy also has to do shit in order to prevent, like, a death from yeah. happening. He has to do dangerous stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm built different. I don't think I would have this, like, ridiculous need for revenge. Despite how someone may have wronged me, I don't think I could let another person's death be on my hands, on my conscience. Yeah, it just, it's too much. It's too much. Especially because if I truly think that they deserve some kind of, uh, you know, harm for having wronged me, it's like, okay, the first woman, I mean, she was chained up and frozen and like kidnapped. That's terrifying. Lady's got trauma now. The judge too. Oh, like ugh, just having to lie down in that puddle of pig guts for even like 0.3 seconds would be enough. Ugh, ugh, just no, thank you. I don't want to be in the same zip code as that. Yeah, no. And then the driver, even if they never got to twisting his neck, even if he was able to forgive him right off the bat, he's going to break some bones. Yep. No matter what happens, like he's never going to be able to use his hands and legs the same way ever again. Yep. I feel like that's enough punishment. Yeah. You know? It's a lot. Yeah, so that's too much. And now Amanda's game. Uh, I think maybe we can talk about this in rating the twist, because okay. that is the twist, essentially. Yeah. And I got, I got a lot of thoughts about the twist. Uh, okay. Why don't I list my list and then you list your list? Okay. Honestly, I think my top trap is angel wings. Ooh. I mean... It's just the coolest one. <laughs> Even if you can't win it, it's just so cool. Yeah. Angel Wings is my number two, only because there's only one that tops this, but it is so cool. Yeah. I'm actually putting Shotgun Collar at number two. Ah, okay. So then Freezer, Chum Bucket, Rack, Piercings at Claire's, <laughs> and I guess all of Jeff's stuff. Is that everything? Did I list everything right? Yes, you did. Okay, so my rankings... Chum Bucket is my number one. Yeah. Just because 
that has ruined me for life. But Angel Wings, very close number two. So my number three is going to be Shotgun Collar. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's very simple. It kind of fucking rules. Next for me will be the Freezer. Because mm-hmm. Freezer was terrifying. Followed by Piercings at Claire's. And then the Rack. And so, yeah, Jeff's game will be last for me also. It's just not much there because he's not really meant to do much. Yeah, and it's like, I'm built different. It's like, it doesn't seem like, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's like, sir, you could have avoided this by going to therapy, so. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Men will literally rather go through a series of saw traps than go to therapy. Yeah. Nicole, how do you think you would do in Saw 3? Oh, there's no fucking way I would live. Are you kidding me? I'm not meant to escape Claire's piercings. I'm not meant to escape angel wings. Shotgun collar... (laughs) As I've established, I'm no doctor, so I'd be (laughs) fucked. I'd be useless. Wet freezer. You know, she's tied up. She can't do anything. She's not meant to escape on her own, so that's unwinnable. The chum bucket. Mans is chained down by his neck. Unwinnable. The rack. He's strapped up with no way to get himself out. Unwinnable. Jeff's game, I'd do it because, again, I don't have that thirst for revenge. And also, I would go to therapy instead of waving a gun in the mirror, talking about being someone's fucking teacher or whatever he said. (laughs) Yeah. If I'm Jeff in this scenario, easy win. Everyone's getting out alive, not going to lie to you. Yeah. If I'm literally anyone else, I'm dead as a doornail. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Even if I'm John here, I'm fucking dead. Yeah. Everyone ends up dead. Yeah, this has almost a 100% fatality rate. Yeah, that's also what I was thinking while watching this. I was like, oh, no, not living, not surviving this, not surviving this, not surviving this. Everyone just fucking dies. Speaking of, let's get that confirmed death count. Ooh, all right. R.I.P. Troy, death by Claire's piercings. R.I.P. Carrie, ribcage ripped out. R.I.P. Danica, turned into a popsicle. (laughs) R.I.P. Judge from the Chum Bucket. Death by shotgun. (laughs) R.I.P. Timothy. Twisted apart. R.I.P. Amanda. Shit in the neck. (laughs) R.I.P. John Kramer. Slashed throat. R.I.P. Lynn. Head go boom. (laughs) (laughs) F's in chat for everyone. In the arms (laughs) of angels. I'm going to throw in, it's not going to count towards their death count, but I'm going to throw in an honorary RIP for Adam, who has died for like a third movie in a row. <laughs> How many people is that, Nicole? Eight people have died Eight in people. this movie. Oh, John, you're up to an even 20. Yay. Well, I guess 19, because I don't know if he would want to count himself. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, he is essentially a jigsaw victim there. Well, that is true. He lost his own little game. Oh, man, three movies, 20 people. Oh, boy. I didn't realize the fatality percentage in this one until we started talking. (laughs) So that's what, like 6.3 people per movie? Yeah, that basically tracks, too. 6.33333 repeating. (laughs) Repeating, of course. Yes. (laughs) Okay, let's rate the twist, Nicole. Okay. The the twist, uh, like the rack. Ha ha. What do you think of the twist? Well, I guess there were like two twists. Weren't they? Like, there's like the baby twist where Jeff was Lynn's husband. I did not see that coming until I think right after Timothy was twisted apart because it was like they were really dropping hints. 
about mm-hmm. something like coming. And so that's when I started to suspect, oh, wait, are they going to like know each other? Is that going to be his wife or something? So it worked very well. Yeah. I think it was a good twist, not because it was super like out of nowhere and dramatic, more like it was foreshadowed. It served as a nice way to tie things together. Yeah, both Jeff's wife and Lynn's husband are both like ambiguously mentioned apart from each other. Yes. Also, the opening scene with Lynn leaving after fucking some guy and him being like, oh, what do you what do you want? And he's like a divorce. That was him saying you should divorce your husband. Yeah. And get with a real man. Ooh. (laughs) So I liked that. Just as a narrative tool, it was great. I thought it was okay. (laughs) Oh, I just, I liked how it tied everything together. I appreciated it. But pales in comparison to the twist that this was Amanda's test all along. I really liked that. I'm going to be honest. (gasps) Weak. Really? Weak. I I, liked it. I don't know. It. It makes sense narratively, but to have that be like a twist, it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. It's not even really that it's Amanda's test. Mm -hmm. Her test is really the end bit where can she let someone go? Mm -hmm. I think to say that the entire thing with Lynn is Amanda's game is disingenuous at best. Okay, now you make a very good point there. Like, oh, it was really Amanda's game for Lynn to give him brain surgery. Not even just that, but like John did kind of go out of his way to praise Lynn and kind of make it seem like he was showing her some kind of favoritism where he would be like, Amanda, get out. I'm going to talk to Lynn. (laughs) So he was really, really pushing her and trying to make her jealous, knowing that it would set her off. Yeah, that is true. I think I just like really liked it, not necessarily as a twist, but as a scene now that I think about it, because John actually pleading for her to do the yeah, right thing. Yeah, it's a great scene. I'm not discounting this as a yeah, story yeah. beat or yeah, like yeah. a emotional moment. Mm-hmm. I think it's great in those regards. I think as a twist, it's weak. No, so I'm going to have to agree with you because I was just thinking of it as a scene because it was a great scene. Yeah. Um, but no, as a twist, you you are you are right. It is. It's, you know, it's kind of whatever. And it does happen really all at the end. Yeah. There's a little bit of setup, but it's like, you know. I also say that this is the point where when they show the twist, they show like all the little flashback scenes and stuff. This mm-hmm. is the point in this franchise where that just starts to make me like roll my eyes, especially when we're having flashbacks to scenes we saw like five minutes ago. Yeah. And it's like, I get that you want to drill in things that that were said that like, or hints to this, like, mm-hmm. a, ooh, remember, but it just makes me feel like you don't trust me as a viewer. I was just you know? about to say, yeah, it's like not, it's like, do you not think that I am competent enough as a viewer to to piece that together considering yeah. I saw it 0.4 seconds ago? But yeah, but yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you as a twist. I just, I, I just love that scene. It's and really so that's, good. It's so good. I mean, I just, again, these are the bad guys and I, I felt truly bad because you really do see how much John wants Amanda to succeed. Yeah. I mean, both for selfish and unselfish reasons. Yeah. Because his own selfish reason is one that like he he wants somebody to carry on his legacy. Mm-hmm. And two, he wants to know that he helped someone with his stupid games. That And he admits to Lynn that Amanda is like the only one who he has been able to have like some kind of connection with. Yeah. I mean, everyone else is dead, John. Yeah. Well. <laughs> 
So it's just, uh, I, I absolutely love that scene, especially when, when, when he was saying that, that Amanda's fate was in Lynn's hands. He was being serious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who deserved to be here the most? Uh, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, if we're counting Amanda, then Amanda. Yeah. If we're not counting Amanda, I'm going to say the judge. Really? No, never mind. I'm going to say, say Danica. Lynn. Oh. <laughs> Lynn? Yeah. What did Lynn do besides cheat on her husband? Oh, wait, sorry, sorry. I, I was thinking least. Oh, least. I thought, okay. I thought okay. we were there already. My bad, my bad. My brain was hopping ahead. I was, I was saying if we're not doing Amanda, then I think I think Danica probably as the witness who did nothing. I'm just wondering, like, what prompted the judge to give him such a light sentence? Was it because he noticed that he was so remorseful? I'm going to say that that was the case. Yeah, because I mean, like, like, come here. What other time is a judge not going to jump at the opportunity to jail a black man? That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm amazed that he got a sentence under a year. I know. Oh I will my say God. that Saul really casts these parts very race blind, which I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that one's probably the most evident. Yeah. That they cast the actor after they wrote the script. Yeah. So good. You know, good on them. <laughs> yeah. I always applaud that. I think that it's cool. Yeah. So yeah, I guess if I had to choose, I would say Danica. So who deserved to be here the least? Lynn. Yeah, Lynn. Lynn did nothing wrong. She's just collateral damage. Yeah, she she should go to therapy too, but yeah. she has a lot less time than Jeff. She's, you know, saving people's lives. Yeah, and it seems like overall she is coping in a much healthier way than Jeff is. Granted, yeah. she's like cheating with people, but it's like, you know, she's not going to go out and kill someone. Yeah, I would rather that than staying home at drinking and talking to myself in a mirror and flipping a gun around. Yeah. It just feels like, I don't know, <laughs> it's just too much. So yeah, Lynn deserved to be there the least. Yep. Poor gal. Honestly, if we're not saying Lynn, Timothy. Timothy too. Timothy did his time. He did. And again, truly remorseful. Only one truly deserving of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, ACAB, but Carrie. Yeah. She was only in the trap because Amanda didn't want her catching on to what was going on. She was also really trying to do shit by the book in the last movie. Yeah. Which I appreciate in theory. I mean, and especially because, you know, Eric was obviously doing some real fucked up police brutality shit. And mm -hmm. Carrie was the one who was like, don't do that. And then Riggs said, no, 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 I'll let him do his thing. Let him do it his way. Yeah. So she was trying. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of... How useless were the police? Oh boy, super useless because we didn't see a single cop in this movie like during these whole trial bits. Yeah. And then also one of them had to go and fucking die, so. Yep. <laughs> I would say somehow the most useless the police have ever been in this they franchise. Negative useful. <laughs> <laughs> they just showed up at the scene and were like, damn, probably Jigsaw. Damn. Anyway, I'm going to go get Angel winged if you don't mind. Okay, bye. Have fun. <laughs> <sighs> I think that's really it. Wow. What are your final thoughts on Saw 3, Nicole? Final thoughts. Really liked it. This is the movie that kicks off the franchise. Yep. And goddamn, if that pig vat isn't going to live in my nightmares for the rest of my life. Yeah, Bahar? Real as hell for having nightmares for the first month of filming. Oh, yeah, no, she's valid as hell. 
And also, yeah. just a great job as Lynn. Lynn was such a great character. Yeah, I really enjoyed her performance. I, I thought the fact that she literally never stopped fighting mm-hmm. was really cool. Like, she never got complacent. She was able to fucking send her herself for brain surgery. Mm-hmm. Great character, great performance of said character. Yes. I mean, even after all these years and this movie, again, as a whole sticks out, but she as a character has always stuck out. Like, I, rem- I remembered so much about her character after not having seen this movie in a very long time. So, yeah, great performance, great character. Yeah. So, I think that's it. Next time we are going to be watching Saw 4. Oh, boy. I'm very excited for this one. I've probably said before, but this is my favorite sequel, or was my favorite sequel when I watched it seven years ago now. Oh, okay. I can't remember what happens in this one, but I'm sure the second I see it on the screen, I'll be like, oh. I remember this one. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nicole, where can the people find you online outside of this basement? Oh, the people can find me on Twitter at SexyPagliacci. That's S-E-X-Y-P-A-G-L-I-A-C-C-I, the sad clown. And where can the people find you outside of the basement? You can find me on Twitter at PunkDyke, P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E. And that at is actually connected to a heart rate monitor and will detonate once I die. You can find the show on Twitter at WeSeeSaw, the name of the show. And if you want to email us, you can send an email to playingontheseesaw at gmail.com. And let us know uh, how many times you threw up at the chum bucket scene. (laughs) Let us know whether or not you think you would survive Jeff's game, whether or not you would pass those trials. Do you feel you are built different? Let us know. <laughs> Do you feel like you would have not never reached that point because you were smart enough to go to therapy? Let us know. <laughs> what would you say to your son's killer? <laughs> not cool, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, game over. Lights. Camera. Adaptations. Ever watched your favorite book become a movie and said, huh, well that certainly was a weird decision? Of course you have. Hollywood is constantly making changes for their adaptations, and this podcast aims to answer the question of why. Join host Emma Shannon and a different guest every month on Unnatural Selection, a new Moonshot Network podcast, as they talk about a film, its source material, and what makes an adaptation good, faithful, and less commonly, good and faithful. Check out episode one, coming to a podcatcher near you on February 15th.